tightest Pharaoh looking for two Doncaster straight can he do it again light up the world is getting up near the fence but Pharaoh Pharaoh dashed to the lead from Abbey Glen and light up the world followed by Aragen and Brave Warrior but Gavin Eads goes for home on Pharaoh look at Auntie Mary Auntie Mary out of the pack this podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed I'd like to give a shout to the Newcastle Jockey Club's big day on Friday, September the 15th, featuring the Group 3 treble, the Newcastle Gull Cup, the Cameron Handicap and the Tibby Stakes. The Newcastle Cup, first run in 1898, has had a strong connection with the Melbourne Cup. In 1987, Kenzai ran second to the Brotherhood at Newcastle, but came out to win the Melbourne Cup for Les Bridge and Larry Olsen less than two months later. Russia won the Newcastle Cup in 1944 and the Melbourne Cup two years later with the legendary Derby Munro in the saddle. Hyperno won the Newcastle Cup in 1977 and the Melbourne Cup two years later. In in 1982, Gurners Lane won the Newcastle, Caulfield and Melbourne Cups. Green Moon won the Newcastle feature in 2010 and the Melbourne Cup the following year. The last horse to win back-to-back Newcastle Cups was Duo in 65 and 66. After his second win, the Hawkesbury-trained stayer won the Metropolitan, later ran third to Galilee in the Melbourne Cup. Another Newcastle Cup winner to carry his form into Victoria was Umpala in 1994, going on to finish third to Jeune and Paris Lane in the Melbourne Cup. It's all on again Friday, September the 15th, the Group 3 Spring Treble on the famous Broadmeadow track at Newcastle. In the years since I last had the pleasure of interviewing John Wallace, I'd forgotten what an enthusiastic racing man he is. I was reminded of his love of the game when I called him recently to invite him onto our podcast. Happily, he accepted that invitation and we'll get him reminiscing shortly about a career that began more than 50 years ago when he trained his first winner at St George, that lovely little town on the Boulogne River at the junction of four highways more than 500 kilometres due west of Brisbane. After a quiet beginning in his hometown... John moved to Dalby on the Downs. He started with three horses. That grew to 15 as the winners started to flow. He then acquired stables in the thriving racing centre of Toowoomba, where he would spend about 18 years, and during that time he stamped himself as a very astute trainer with a keen eye for a horse. 1978 or thereabouts, he moved to the Gull Coast, where he would go on to win multiple premierships and from where he trained elite horses like Shootout, a winner of a Randwick Guineas and an AJC Derby. He trained Umpala, winner of several stakes races and a place-getter in the Melbourne Cup. John has had to cut his horse numbers because of health issues in recent years, but right at the moment he's at the top of his game and working a team of nine. Let's talk to a 77-year-old who became fascinated with thoroughbreds as he listened to racing men talk around the bar at his father's pub in St George. John Wallace, great to catch up, mate. Been a long time. Yeah, great to talk to you, John. How are you feeling after a pretty rough trot? Yeah, no, I'm pretty good, actually. Um, 
at the moment I'm trying to lose a bit of weight, but everyone knows that's a hard job. And uh, uh, no, I feel good. I've, I've got my son Paul helps me of a morning and another uh, couple of young blokes, and uh, they do the work. I do all the uh, supervision. Give the, I, I give the orders, but they don't <laughs> listen that much. <laughs> well, nine horses is a massive contrast to the days when you were training up to 60 on the Gold Coast. Yeah, sure, sure. And uh, I had good staff, John, and uh, I was very lucky. I had good work riders and uh, it all went to – it was just like clockwork, you know. Mm. There are no old warriors among the nine horses. I think the majority are three-year-olds and you've got one there by I Am Invincible – you're a bit excited about. Yeah, I've got a horse for a mate of mine, Ross Keenan, and he, uh, he gave me a ring and he said, I've bought a couple of horses for John O'Shea at Easter and uh, the uh, I think it was a June sale came up here, the Magic Million. He said, you better buy one for old time's sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, I bought a I'm Invincible cult of Jerry Harvey yeah. um, out of Metaphorical. Anyway, his name's Kidston after a gold mine in North Queensland, an old gold mine. Good name. Yeah, good name. And um, he's, he's an 18th of November foal, so I've nursed him a bit and mm. uh, give him a couple of trials. He's trialled very well twice, had a spell, just come back and, you know, one <laughs> a bloke told me one day, he said, you're a lucky bloke, JP, he said, he said, when you're going bad, there's always something comes in. It's, yeah. He said, and you get hit in the bum with a rainbow. So <laughs> I, said, I, hope, I hope I've done it again. <laughs> I hope so. so his name is Kidston. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. by I Am Invincible out of Metaphorical. We'll keep an eye yeah. out. Well, you were the son of a publican, and as such yep. you spent your very early years in the Lamington Hotel at Maryborough in Queensland, it's still there and still doing good business, they tell me. Yeah, it's right near the river. Just you come over the bridge and uh, I was born in Meribah and uh, my mum and dad had the pub and, uh, yeah, I was there, there in my early years. Mm. I think you were eight or nine when your dad took over the Metro Hotel at St George, which is 600 kilometres from Meribah. You can remember listening to Horsemen talking, racing at the bar. I bet you heard a few fibs in your time. Yeah, yeah. They all used to get in there because uh, my dad, he was an old, he loved the horses and liked having a bet and they all got in there. There was two old trainers in there, Terry Staines and Georgie Platt were the local horse trainers Mm. and they were in there and uh, I used to hang off their coattails. Yeah. The pub's still there, John. It's no longer the Metro. It's now called the Cobb & Co. Yeah, yeah, they changed the name, John. And uh, But it, it, I got invited out there by Bart Sinclair for a, for a race in Queensland do all about 10 years ago. Mm. It hadn't changed a bit. That's right, eh? <laughs> Lovely. Brought back memories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, John, you tell me. There was a young bloke living in St George at the time working for a company called Grazcos Cooperative. Now, that young bloke doubled as the St George race caller at the time, 
but he later became a very high-profile steward in Melbourne, Sydney and Hong Kong. Yeah, that was John Shrek. Uh, Dear me. I was younger than him, but I, I, he was always a nice man, always well-dressed, good-looking bloke, and uh, um, he loved the loved that sort of thing. And he used to drink in the bar there, come and have a drink after work. And, uh, yeah, amazing to where he became. So. Let me throw in a little bit of history. You probably know this, but some of our listeners won't. The origin of the name of the town. In 1846, the site of the present town was the site of a camp established by the explorer Major Thomas Mitchell during his expedition to Northern Australia. He noticed the natural rocky ford across the river on St George's Day, and that's the name given to the town when it was gazetted about 18 years later. St George, of course, being the patron saint of England. Yeah, I never knew that, John, to be truthful. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> I never knew. I never ever thought of it, to be truthful. <laughs> now, in order to gain a Queensland trainer's licence, you told a few fibs. You put your age up. Yeah, well, you had to be 21 to get a licence. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think it was about 17 something and uh, so I put me put me age up and no one questioned it just got the license got away with it got away with it never told them early though <laughs> <laughs> your first winner as a trainer was at home at St George with a mare called Kitty Marie and you thought you were Fred best yeah, I thought I was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was only a four-horse race and it won. And, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I thought I was pretty good. You but, must have been. Uh, she she yeah. wasn't much of a horse. <laughs> no. Was that a last or one and only win, maybe? I, I think it was, yeah. You were obviously focused on a training career and that prompted your move to Dalby, a good racing town, and a perfect stepping stone at that early stage, and you built the team up pretty quickly. Yeah, I got there with only a handful of horses, and uh, I had a bit of luck, and I got, I got in suite with a few committee men there, and they gave me horses, and I become great mates with an old bloke called Basil Dougal, who had Stony Earth Stud, and uh, mm. he was very, very good to me. His son, Tommy, trains in Toowoomba now, and he's got a very good horse called Go Wanji. Mm. And it's a real good horse. The Hong Kong tried to buy it, but they love the horse too much. So yeah, good. You spent about three years in Dolby, uh, but you were quick to grab the opportunity when stables came up in Toowoomba, terrific racing town. And you finished up there for about 18 years, and they were good years. Yeah, they were terrific years. Uh, Toowoomba was good to me. It's a beautiful place to train, John, because um, – it gets really cold in the winter, of course, but summertime, yeah, I had big yards with trees in them and, and nice stables and the horse would be out in the yard. They, they all did well and uh, they were never too hot in the summer, you know, and um, beautiful. The track's very good to train on it, too, and there's been, been a lot of good horses come out of there. Mm. Some of Queensland's best trainers were in Toowoomba in your day. In fact, your neighbour 
was the iconic Jim Atkins who dominated the local scene for a long time. Now, you finished yeah. up winning four straight Toowoomba premierships, we think. He must have asked the question, who's this young whippersnapper from Dalby? Yeah, well, Jimmy Atkins was – he had one set of stables right next to me, and uh, but he lived 50 yards away in another set. Anyway, when I, we were always friends, but when I won the premiership, he never took it too good. And uh, oh. <laughs> um, But after that, we ended up mates, mates mm. for life, you know, sort of thing. But uh, I was probably a bit cheeky, so yeah. uh, probably deserved to be put down a bit. <laughs> a legend has it, you know, that Tommy Smith was quite miffed when Brian Mayfield Smith came along and knocked him off his perch. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was for sure. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I suppose none of us like to get beat. <laughs> well, Jim Atkins was successful enough to have a Group 1 race named after him 60 years later. You must have studied his methods to some degree. Yeah, you know, he was a great trainer. He uh, big feeder, big feeder, never worked him that hard. Um, sort of a lot of long, steady work and three-quarter and he'd let them go and work in gallops but they'd go to the races they'd look look bigger you'd think they were a bit new but mm. you couldn't beat them so. no no they'd feel like a race when they got there for sure they hadn't sure. left it on the track you know john you've become very well known over the years for your knack of spotting a horse buying it for a song and then winning a stack of races with it. Now, let me throw this one at you. I'll just give you the name and test your reaction. Court Rush. Yeah, Court Rush. Uh, my mum had a trust for me when I was 20, turned 21, and I got $1,000. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, the yearling sales were at the exhibition grounds in Brisbane at that time, and uh, I think elders sold the horses. And... Uh, I went went through the catalogue and looked about, and uh, uh, I bought this nice colt by Rush of uh, Carl War from Rushland Stud, mm. and uh, he was just a not really nice robust horse. Give us give the whole thousand, never had Ooh. anything left. Mm. <laughs> anyway, he ended up winning thirty eight races. Oh, he's he was, terrific! Yeah, yeah, second best two year old in Queensland to King Capri. Mm. And he won till he was 10-year-old. Oh, he was an old marvel, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. Hey, John, Mother of Pearl was a good filly you trained in the early 1980s. In fact, was she your first Group 1 winner in the Queensland Oaks? She was. Um, uh, Dan Buffier from Bylong started Mudgee. He, I got mates with him and he used to buy a filly or two up there at our sales and... Uh, Mm-hmm. He was a good old judge, and he and I used to lease him off him. And she raced in my mum's name, Mother of Pearl. She was by Raskolnik, and uh, mm-hmm. he stood at Eureka Stud, where Spirit of Boom and them stand now. And mm-hmm. uh, um, Colin McAlpine bred him, and uh, bred her, sorry. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was a beautiful looking filly, and she was bloody good. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't win oaks every day, do they? No, she led all the way. You know, you've mentioned uh, a name already, Basil Dougal. He owned the stud farm 
um, on the Darling Downs, and, and you were there one day in the mid-1970s. And here's Basil riding a chestnut horse. He was using it as a stock horse, in fact. You yeah. took one look at him and you fell in love with him. Yeah, I said to Basil, I said, what's that horse you're riding? He said, you can't buy him. <laughs> he said, he's my best stock horse I've got. And he was by Crash Helmet. Mm. Anyway, um, I said, I'll give you a 1000 for it. He said, you got it. <laughs> 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 he, he'd never been in work. He, um, he, but he, he was four year old and he was so set and everything. He took everything. He, he won his first start at the Gold Coast mm. and they bet 10 to 1 him. It was on the old sand track. Yeah. And coming down, it was raining like hell from Toowoomba. And Danny Williams was with me in the car. He was apprenticed to me. And I said, uh, geez, I don't know about running this horse and we're going to back him. He said, well, matter if it's dry, wet, or what, it went easy. Did he? He won by he won by furlong. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, he knocked up winning races, Johnny. He won a Queensland Cup. And I can recall your sneaking him to Sydney. Have I got it right on one occasion? To win yeah. the Parramatta Cup at Rose Hill. We haven't mentioned his name, Sky Ace. Sky Ace, yeah, yeah. He won the Parramatta Cup at Rose. He won a Queensland Cup. Yeah. He won a Toowoomba Cup. Mm. He was a really good horse. You he know. had a touch of Peter Pan about him, didn't he? He had a silver yeah. mane and tail. Silver mane and tail. Mate, he's a lovely horse. You know, mm. just like he's a nice chestnut, beautiful coated horse. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, there's an even better story than Sky Ace. One day you're at the Dolby picnics and you're watching a very arrogant horse laying all over the trainer who's trying to saddle it up. It jams the poor bloke up against the side rail and politely breaks a couple of his ribs. You saw this happen. I did, yep, yep. His name was Caper Sauce. Mm. Anyway, he, they never got the saddle on him. He never got into the race and... Um, I said to him, do you want to sell him? And uh, it was Basil's horse again, Basil. Mm. <laughs> he said, and he was my crash helmet. Mm. And uh, he said, you're not getting him for a 1000 I said, I'll give you 1200 He said, you got him. <laughs> God, they were sellers in those days, weren't they? <laughs> they did, mate. They did. They sold him. And, and he was, he was, I think, four or five-year-old and hadn't, run, you know, just been used as a stock horse too. Yeah, see, this is, you've mentioned both of these horses that you were able to buy cheaply. They had done nothing up to four years of age. There's a story in that. Yeah, and they were always sound, you know, although mm. I, I did, Caper Sauce, he, he won a, uh, he won a Toowoomba Cup, he won, um, what else did he win? He, he, like, he was a really good horse in Brisbane and, um, but he broke his shoulder in a race. You wouldn't yeah. believe it. And yeah. uh, he was going to win easy. He's come to the corner. He cruised up to him, and, mm. and then he broke his shoulder, and uh, he had to be destroyed there and then. But it, they were really sound horses because they never had any any issues. You know what I mean? They they weren't put under any pressure early. Yeah. Well, there are two that feature in your scrapbook. You bought Sky Ace, who was being used as a stock horse, for one thousand dollars. You bought Caper Sauce for twelve hundred dollars. That's true. Mm. I think you moved to the Gulf Coast around nineteen seventy-eight, and you won yeah. multiple premierships there too. In fact, you're an inductee 
in the Gold Coast Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's true. That's true. When they told me that, I thought I said to them, I thought you had to die to get in these things. <laughs> they, they said, no, no, you can be alive. <laughs> yeah, couldn't kill you with an axe. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> You'll want to pay a big tribute, I imagine, to Mitani. Talk about a consistent horse. 20 wins, half of them at Eagle Farm and Doonban, most of the others on the Gold Coast. Johnny ran 26 placings. You just don't find them like that. No, no, he was he was a lovely horse, uh, always sound. He won the eyeliner at 10. Shane, Shane Scriven won, I think it's the group two, Sir Bernhardt, and he won by, oh, geez, he won easy with him looking back at him. Mm. And even even when you talk to Scribbo, who, who looks after the apprentices in Brisbane this day and age, he said, never rode a horse in a big race that, you know, was ever going to win that easy. Yeah, so. His name pops up all the time, John. What a talented rider with massive weight problems, Shane Scriven. Yeah, he was a champion rider and was always really big, you know, so. It done well to ride at all, to be truthful. Mm. You had a lovely mare called Dynamic Love, and she was by that beautiful horse that Eric Kerwin trained, Brave Warrior. Yes. Seven wins, 12 places. She won three times in Sydney. She did. She was, uh, I bought her at the Magic Million sale, and uh, I think I give 24000 for her. Mm. And... Uh, I didn't have a buyer at the time, and then about three weeks before she was ready to run, I hadn't named her. And John Westnead, a chap from Sydney who had a who had a business down there, bought her off me, and um, um, she won the fit in the hundred thousand dollar race in Toowoomba her first run. So mm. she, she she and she was just so good all the way through. So. Uh, Glenn Collis used to ride her in her races. Glenn made a comeback, didn't he, for a while. He was riding a few winners there on the Gold Coast. What's he doing? Oh, I think he's given away now. Uh, I haven't seen him for a while, but he did. Yeah, he came back for a while and um, um, he always told me he wanted to be a, go back to Colsar and be a taxi driver. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know whether he did that or not. So. Oh, maybe that's what he's doing. He could be because he's. Oh, I haven't seen him yet. And he knows his way around coughs. That's where he was born and reared. Yeah, that's true. True. A New Zealand race caller called Tony Lee was instrumental in your purchasing a Campala gelding, who'd won only two small races from nine starts in New Zealand before Tony recommended him to you. Now we'll talk about that particular horse, John, after we clear this commitment on our podcast. Back in a moment. Many Australian trainers have tried their horses on Pride's Racing Cube and have given the product a tick of approval. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube set recipe formulation means the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile 
scale and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt-free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Pride's Racing Cube is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags, or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at an economical price. Talk to your local rep about Racing Cube, another winner from the Pride's Easy Feed Stable. Trainers of thoroughbreds, standard breads, and performance horses are giving it the thumbs up all around the nation. Well, that Kampala gelding was called Umpala. He won a Class 3 at Eagle Farm early on and then you went to the Gatton Cup. You tell me that was a hell of a run. Yeah, he was tailed off last, coming to the woods, the corner, by a long way off him. And by the time he got to the corner, he joined him and uh, he just ran right away. But... Uh, I've never seen a win like it in my life, and I don't think they ever will at Gatton again. No. He then he then went to the Ipswich Cup and won. He went to the uh, Tats Tats Cup, won mm. that. Yeah. Uh, Chrissy Munts was riding him. Caloundra. Caloundra Cup, he won. Mm. And then he went to the Newcastle Cup, won yeah. it. Yeah. I'll tell you about going to the Newcastle Cup before I go any further. Paddy Webster took me up in the train because I was staying at Randwick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, we went up in the train. We had a great trip up and there. But we got on the drink up there. We ended up getting a car home. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? After winning yeah. the Newcastle Cup. After winning the Newcastle Cup. <laughs> Which is coming yeah. up again shortly on the 15th of September. That's true. Yeah. And then he went on. He ran, in, ran second in the uh, – he was unlucky in the uh, – in the Sydney, oh, yeah, in Sydney, Metropolitan, in the Metropolitan, mate. Yeah, he ran second in the Metropolitan to Glastonbury, and oh. they wanted to tear the grandstand down when Glastonbury won. It was hundred to one because he that was a he massive got as a favourite, massive yeah. demonstration. That's right, the yeah. grey horse, imported yeah, horse. He'd yeah. been beaten um, not long before, two or three days earlier, with Shane Dye in the saddle. Yeah, Shane, Shane, of course, jumped short. straight off. Grant yeah. Cooksley replaced him. Glastonbury yeah. won the Metropolitan. And fair dinkum, John, I was up in the broadcast box, 200 <laughs> feet above the ground. I don't. It's the ugliest demonstration I can remember. They went berserk. Yeah, they did. They did. And um, then I took him to Melbourne and he ran in the Caulfield Cup and he, he ran last, I think, at the Caulfield Cup. Mm. Greg Hall rode him, but Greg Hall never rode for six months after the race because apparently he had a had a fall at track work just before that and broke his ribs. Oh, and I I didn't know, and I don't think he knew or didn't let on anyway. But uh, he went no good, and he said he might need a spell. And yeah. why I didn't said, Munch ride him, John? Uh, well, the owners they were two young blokes, and they. They thought Munch didn't ride him well in the Metropolitan. They replaced him, you know. Mm. It wasn't me. I didn't do it. It's happened a million times. They, they did. It happens. It happens and what can you do? Mm. Anyway, um, then then he ran third in the Melbourne Cup with Larry Cassidy on him. Oh, and, now uh, tell me about that. How did you come to get Larry on board? 
Um, I, he was riding in Sydney and riding plenty of winners and coming to Melbourne too, but, you know, mm. and uh, um, I just rang him up and he said, yeah, no, I'll ride him. And uh, uh, halfway, oh. down the, halfway down the running, you uh, looked like he was going to win, Jono, and oh. I'm yelling out for him in the uh, trainers and member, owners bar or something, and this lady said to me, will you keep your voice down? And I... Wasn't very polite, I suppose, but <laughs> I just kept yelling. And anyway, my horse got beat. He got oh, beat didn't up, he run a race? Now that was Jern's year, a wasn't by it? A neck. Yeah, Jern yeah. Wayne Harris. Jern Wayne Harris, right through on the fence, and uh, he beat Paris Lane and a neck to Impala. Yeah, yep. oh, a wonderful run. Yep. Now after that, a fella called Bart Cummings was successful in rustling him out of your stables. Yeah, Bart got him. Um, after that run, the, the owners thought, well, I think Bart told him he'd improve him and everything, and which mm. he probably would have, I suppose. He was, was a great trainer. But uh, <laughs> uh, they had no luck. He, he bowed his tendon his first start for Bart. Yes. And he, he, he had never had any problems, but he horses do that. They put their foot in the hole or do something. That happened. So he, that was the end of Impala. Yeah. And now to the horse that took you to the biggest stage that racing can offer. And another one you identified on type. Shootout yep. was by High Chaparral, who was a glamour stallion at the time. Which sale and how much? Uh, he only bought 15,000 at the Magic Millions, but he was the first of the high chaper ch chaparrals first first season. And uh, he was bred on the downs by Neville Stewart at Oakland Stud. They bought the mare in foal. Mm. She was a pentire mare called Pentamerous. And uh, he was just a plain bay horse, but a nice-looking nice horse, you know. Mm. And... Um, um, he uh, he was just a, a legend to train that horse. Was he? I bought him bought him for some people. They lived at Mount Isaac, Graham and Linda Huddy, mm. um, who uh, were in the mining. They they had plant hire sort of things at the mines and everything. And now they own Peachester Lodge just up there. And they got horses with every leading trainer in Australia today. Mm. Mm. Was he special from the outset, or did he take a little while? Um, yeah, he was special. Yeah, from the outset, first gallop I gave him, I knew he was good, and um, mm. he 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 was just one of them horses. He had everything, whatever you put before him, he did. Yeah, there was no effort. His first start in the race, he had Dan Griffin rode him in a two-year-old maiden, twelve hundred, and they bet six to one. Him, <clears throat> he started six to four. Anyway, coming to the six hundred, we're in the trainers bar watching it. And, he clipped heels and lost about four lengths. Mm. And uh, some of them said, oh, he's gone. And I said, oh, he's not gone. Mm. And he, he just scooped him up a bit more and then he, he bolted him. Did he? Yeah. Anyway, the the rider on the bullet, Gold Coast Bulletin here said to me, what are you doing with him next? I said, oh, I'm going to win the size produce in two weeks with him mm. in town. And he looked at me like I had rocks in my head. Mm. Anyway... Uh, I nominated him for the size. He was the last horse to get in, and Danny Griffin rode him, and he bolted him. Mm. And that was Danny Griffin's first ever group winner, and that. And he was a good rider, Dan. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, his first time in Sydney, he won the Royal Sovereign Stakes. Then he ran second in the Hobartville. And then came the Group 1 Randwick Guineas and the late Starthy Katsidis was the jockey. That was a big thrill for you. Yeah, well, Starthy was a good mate of mine, but he was a special jockey. Starthy was probably the best jockey that ever rode for me. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of good jockeys ride for me over the years, like uh, Boss and Dipman rode for me as three-kilo apprentices, and they yeah. weren't too bad. Mm-hmm. But Starthy, I know he never went to their heights as a jockey because he never had the chance to, but he was a bloke in a race. You could see him change his mind and do things on horses and it would always turn out right. Just a special, mm. special talent, you know. Mm. But he was a special person, John. He never had a bad bone in his body and I don't think he had an enemy in the world. Like we've all got our problems and he had some, but but they weren't, weren't to hurt anyone else bar himself. Yeah, his story's well documented. He was a troubled young man and it all caught up with him and he died much too soon. For sure, for sure. Yeah, it broke my heart when he died. Mm. Following the Randwick Guineas, John, he ran fourth in the Rosehill Guineas to a horse called Zabrasiv. Any excuses? No, he sort of just raced a little bit flat that day, but it wasn't a lot of pace on and I think he... He was he like he had a fair run in the race. Starthy reckoned he buggered it up, but I don't know whether he did or not. But um, mm. but it was a fair run without being a good run. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Then came the one you wanted, the two thousand and ten Australian Derby. Starthy was on board again. It was a soft five track. Did you yep. want him as far back as he got that day? No, I told him when he went out, I said to him, just ride your own race. Forget about all this down here and you ride your own race like you're riding him at Dolby or yeah. Toowoomba or anywhere else. You know, that's where he come from. <laughs> and um, he's, he did that and he said I was never going to lose in the running. That's what he told me when yeah. he came. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all right for him. You're sitting up you're in right. the stand worried sick. Well, that, that's right, you have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He had a good spell before coming back for the spring of that year. He had eight starts, all in Melbourne in that preparation. He won the Bletchingley. He won the JJ Liston. He ran third in the Memsey, third in the Dato Tan Chin Nam, and third in the Turnbull. You were delighted coming into the Cox Plate, and that's when the tragic news came from Brisbane that Starthy had passed away. Hit you like an express train. Yeah, well, we were at the uh, breakfast with the stars uh, down there, you know, and mm. um, the horse had worked good, done everything right, and um, one of the reporters came in and called me away, and he said, "Oh, I hear stuff is not not no. the be- not the best," and mm. I said, mm. "What do you mean not the best?" He said, "Well, I heard he's passed away." I said, "You're kidding me," and. Uh, mm. And we we found out, yeah. Oh, dear me. Corey Brown uh, yep. was on standby, or not on standby, but he was available. Yeah, he uh, ran, yeah. And you both, you shared great sadness, you and Corey, as the Cox yeah. Plate came up. Yep. Yeah, well, Corey's been a mate of mine for 100 years, and 
he wrote him and he wrote him good and that, but it was just really just tragic news, you know. You, yeah. You don't you don't don't ever think that thing that that sort of thing's going to happen, John. You no, know. So. Of course not. John, the horse ran well in the Cox Plate. Yeah, he uh, he ran fourth to uh, to Bartos, so you think. So, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, he was a special horse, so you think, you know. By the same stallion, high chaparral. By the same stallion. Better sort than, uh, than Shootout. He, he was a really nice-looking horse, yeah. Mm. Well, Shootout ran fourth in the McKinnon, two so you think. Then he finished midfield in Americanes Melbourne Cup. Didn't handle the trip. Didn't handle it. I probably shouldn't have run him in the Melbourne Cup because he was at, they were up to their knees in mud that day and um, mm. and in hindsight he probably never was a two-miler, but we all live in hope and, uh, and the old trainers used to tell me, he said, in racing you live in hope and die in despair, so... <laughs> They're pretty right. <laughs> Live in hope and die in despair. <laughs> now, he didn't win in five starts next time in, after which you were bitterly disappointed to lose the horse to Chris Waller. He went on to win three Group 1 wait-for-age races from a dozen starts after he left your stable. John, there's not a trainer on the planet who hasn't experienced that feeling somewhere along the line. No, for sure. And uh, Chris Waller wrote me a nice letter uh, when he got the horse and everything. And uh, I have no animosity toward him or towards him or anyone else or the owners or anything. But uh, uh, yeah, you're always broken-hearted to lose your good horse. And mm. uh, and uh, but you just got to keep your chin up, mate, in this game and keep soldiering on. Mm. Look, Johnny didn't need to write you that letter. And that's very much to his credit. No, he didn't. No, no, I got quite surprised when I got it and uh, still with the letter, so, yeah. Mm. It's largely (coughs) forgotten that Zach Purton spent two years of his apprenticeship with you. You tell me he still rings on your birthday every year. Yeah, he does, and he he talks to uh, my son Paul always on Facebook and, Everything else, I'm not on Facebook, so I've got no idea about that. But mm. um, uh, Zach was with me two years. Trevor Hardy sent him down, mm. and he was an old mate of mine. And um, he, was, I reckon, he's the only apprentice in Australia on loan for two years. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Well, I don't think it's over the top to say he's a superstar. Yeah. Well, he was always a good jockey, and. Um, um, he just improved out of sight once he went to Hong Kong. and um, But he's always been a good bloke, Zach, and he, he's a good person. Um, um, and I think Marion uh, Nicole's probably helped him. Uh, she's, she, he, he's got two little kids, or, well, they're not probably not two little now, but, um, mm. yeah, he's a real family man and uh, he loves Hong Kong and I'm sure Hong Kong loves him. You know, he's amazing. He turned up in Sydney over the Autumn Carnival, you know, in the championships and politely rode two Group 1 winners, including the Doncaster. No trouble at all. No, he's probably as good a rider as one of the best in the world, to be truthful. No doubt about it, yeah. 
He, he's probably not as good as the old bloke I used to train for, though, George Moore. So. No. What connection did you have with George? Well, I used to train for George when he was in Hong Kong training, and he had he had a pet house here in Aquarius. He did that surface him paradise. And, him and Iris yeah. used to come to the stables, and uh, Gary rode a winner for me at Doomben one day on a century horse. I just can't think of his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he got off, Johnny gave me a kiss. <laughs> That's the French style. French style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you do? <laughs> I didn't know. I, I, you duck for duck shock. for cover. I, I was in shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I was always friendly with him and John, and uh, I'm still mm. friendly with him, Gary and John. And, and uh, Michelle was always nice to me, their daughter. And uh, yeah, yeah, George was a George was in a very easy owner to train for. Mm. Yeah. Left you alone, did he? Yeah, he never worried about you. Yeah, no, yeah. let you do your job. Another bloke I used to. Uh, Trade for was Dick Roden, who was the manager of a, an old chap here. Uh, mm. um, oh, can't, John Bartlett, he was a developer here. Dick mm. used to manage his horses. And yeah. I trained, trained for them too. Mm. And Dick Roden himself had enjoyed enormous success, hadn't he, at the top level, including that great horse, Divide and Rule. Divide and Rule, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Tell you another young jockey to spend some time in your stable who, like Starthy Katsidis, died much too soon, and that's Aaron Kennedy. Yeah, he, he, he was a good boy, Aaron. He, he was always sort of had a troubled lifestyle. And um, <clears throat> But as far as a young bloke, he was a really good person. And uh, he, he had his own demons, but ride, he could ride, and you put him on a front runner, I can tell you, they wouldn't get beat. No, he was an outstanding front runner, much in the mould of Tim Clark currently. He was a great judge of pace in front. I remember him leading on one of Bobby Thompson's in Melbourne once in a decent race. Silk Arley was the horse's name. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, he yeah. was a good horse, Silk Arley. Well, he used to ride a horse for a called Enthusiast for me too, and mm. uh, he I bought him off Lloyd Williams, but, boy, he won a ton of races on him, and uh, but uh, – he he was he was a special bloke and yeah another bloke broke me out when that happened to him. Of you course know, it so, did, yeah. yeah. You purchased enthusiasts from Lloyd Williams, who is a seller. Every now and again, he'll uh, put on the market tried horses, some of them uh, European horses uh, yep. that he feels might be battling in their uh, environment in Melbourne, and uh, he's not afraid to sell one. No, and usually he sells winners. Um, mm. He he doesn't sell them because they they they're buggered or anything like that. He he sells them because they're not not suiting his task. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Uh, mm. Well, John, yeah. it's great to catch up after such a long time. I'm delighted that you're on top of those health problems. I'm equally delighted that you're not overdoing it with only nine horses uh, in work. That's enough. Yeah, I'm a good delegator. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I'm looking forward to watching the I Am Invincible out of Metaphorical. His name is Kidston. You said he's named after a gold mine. Yeah, gold mine in North Queensland. Well, we're hoping he's good. Um, but I was told you, old trainers tell me, you live in hope and die in despair, Johnny, in this game. So <laughs> yeah. till he does it, till he does it. 
Yeah, there's some lovely, have, lovely old cliches in, in racing, aren't there? there uh, is, I'm there reminded is. of one particular expression credited to an old New Zealand trainer many, many years ago. I can't recall his name, but I can recall the quote. When he referred to racing, he said it was a business fraught with disappointment, interspersed by the odd pleasant surprise. That's true. That's really true. That's a classic. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Well, Johnny Wallace, you've been one of Queensland's best trainers for half a century, and I know there's more to come. And I hope one of those three-year-olds puts your name up in lights again. Great to catch up, mate. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Johnny. I'd like to give a shout to the Newcastle Jockey Club's big day on Friday, September the 15th, featuring the Group 3 treble, the Newcastle Gull Cup, the Cameron Handicap and the Tibby Stakes. The Newcastle Cup, first run in 1898, has had a strong connection with the Melbourne Cup. In 1987, Kenzai ran second to the Brotherhood at Newcastle, but came out to win the Melbourne Cup for Les Bridge and Larry Olsen less than two months later. Russia won the Newcastle Cup in 1944 and the Melbourne Cup two years later with the legendary Derby Munro in the saddle. Hyperno won the Newcastle Cup in 1977 and the Melbourne Cup two years later. In 1982, Gurners Lane won the Newcastle, Caulfield and Melbourne Cups. Green Moon won the Newcastle feature in 2010 and the Melbourne Cup the following year. The last horse to win back-to-back Newcastle Cups was Duo in 65 and 66. After his second win, the Hawkesbury-trained stayer won the Metropolitan, later ran third to Galilee in the Melbourne Cup. Another Newcastle Cup winner to carry his his form into Victoria was Umpala in 1994, going on to finish third to Jeune and Paris Lane in the Melbourne Cup. It's all on again Friday, September the 15th, the Group 3 Spring Treble on the famous Broadmeadow Track at Newcastle.